Alright, let's do this, guys. It's Video <laughs> Vampires. Oh, let's do this. This is Mickey. And Jessica. And uh, before we go into our movie, as always, Jess, what have you seen? Well, I I went back to see The Lodge because I wanted to uh, re-see it. It, w- it was like one of my favorite movies of the year, so I wanted to make sure it was. I had so- seen it at Beyond Fest originally, and then um, I wanted to re-see it. And I really, still really liked it. I think it's like fairly scary i think religious horror and like cult horror always really freaks me out yeah um i I think we were talking about it before about like how smart kids are and like could they be capable of pulling off this like elaborate mean-spirited prank but like kids are fucking mean man (laughs) kids are mean but like i so i saw it too and i i liked it i i don't want to give the impression that i didn't like it um but one of my gripes with it was are you fucking telling me that that kids that age pulled off such a nuanced um gaslight i feel like yeah like kids are clever plus you have the internet like you know how to haunt someone forever like kids are doing some bad shit yeah there was some there was some like definitely stuff that i was like i believe that kid could do that but then there was some stuff where i'm like man that's like a fucking that's some pretty heady shit there that you're getting you're diving into but um i, I like i said i liked it but I'm a bigger fan of their f- previous movie. Yeah. Goodnight Mommy, which I think is... I didn't see that one yet. It is rough. Really? More rough than... Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, I think so. I should... I know. I should watch it. I've been meaning to. But, you know, as uh, we've discussed, Kirk Douglas has passed away, unfortunately. Mm. He was an old-ass dude. Like, he lived his life. Like, he's lived... It was like what, 102, 103, something like that. Something like that. So I was on a Kirk Douglas kick, so I rewatched Spartacus, which it's been a really long time. I mm. probably since I was really young, like I remember this movie as a kid. Like yeah. my dad loved this movie. He had it on Laserdisc. Like I distinctly remember the cover. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's and Spartacus has been used in in reference in other movies. It was written by a Trombo, and there's like a whole segment about how like Stanley Stanley Krug, Kubrick. Kubrick did this movie with with him being written on you know because he was on like the blacklist well it was i think it was kirk douglas who and, hired the, yeah, yeah and kirk cause there's a um brian cranston played a, in a movie called trumbo and they like distinctly talk about like this yeah. movie and kirk douglas um t- kirk douglas by all means was like a true badass yeah and then i watched also the fury which is uh 1978 brian de palma yes it's it's great i had never seen it before so I, I wanted to watch it because someone was like, this is my favorite Kirk Douglas movie. And it's got, like, it's it's so insane. And it's got this, like, great set of, like, liners. Yeah. Like, there's a part where, like, you know, Kirk Douglas who plays Peter. He's searching for his son who was kidnapped because his son has these, like, special telekinesis powers. So um, he was kidnapped by this guy. And, by his former best friend. Yeah, former best friend. It's rude as fuck. Like, he trusted him. Yeah. Um. So, you know... Peter goes crazy looking for his son, and it's just, it, it's such a wild movie, so he he uh, kind of carjacks this car with fake cops, yeah. um, and then he, he's like, he's like, what, ask Childress, you know, like, what I did to his arm, and they're like, what'd you do to his arm, Peter, and he's like, I killed it with machine guns, and that's the line, like, that's the line, it's it's actually really great. I, I, you know, it's funny because I, I also love, Kirk, I love him in that, but I also love John Cassavetes in that. Oh, yeah, he's great. Uh, he's, like, so villainy with the one arm and the suits. And yeah, the... and it's like, I realized watching, the because uh, I watched it maybe a year ago, and I was like, you know, I love John Cassavetes, and I feel like 
only in his own movies does he actually play like a good dude. Like, and even then, he's like, it's like a com. He plays complicated yeah. guys, but in like other movies, he's just good. Like Rosemary's Baby, he's like the shithead husband who, yeah, basically is like, here's my wife. Here, give me fame and fortune. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. She'll birth that demon baby. Exactly. Um, what else do you see? Okay, so uh, I've been I got laid off, so I've been watching a lot of TV. Yep. Uh, so a whole bunch of TV. The Outsiders, still really great show. It's it's very it's probably more one of my favorite of Stephen King adaptions that I've seen in a long time. Um, the cast is really good. I I really like it. Um, I watched The Pharmacist, which is on Netflix. Um, it's really sad. It's a, like a docu series about. You know, this father who lost his son to, like, the crack epidemic. Mm -hmm. um, and then he happened to be a pharmacist, and he channeled that into, like, trying to fight the opioid epidemic, you know, like, the whole oxy thing. So it's about, like, him trying to solve this problem, you know, on his own and, and what transpired. And it's really scary. It has a lot to do with, like, the Purdue Pharma yeah. case. Um, and then also Lock and Key, which... It was a comic written by Joe Hill mm -hmm. that got made into a Netflix show. Uh, I really like it. It is different from the comic. So, I, I, without giving too much away about either, the differences, though, translate pretty well to TV. I feel like I'm comfortable with them. Like, yeah. I wasn't too upset about anything. I thought the casting was really great. The mom is a little whatever, but I it didn't it wasn't enough to like ruin it for me. Yeah. I might want to go through it again, but like for the most part, it's still really cool. The keys are really fun. Um, it's still like based around the key house. Like lock and keys is super fun. You're a big fan of the comic book. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the comic book, and there's like a lot of Easter eggs in it. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just fun and it's like in typical fashion like joe hill does remind me a lot of stephen king but he has his own like vibe yeah um and it's it, it's exactly like it you know like joe hill shows up just like stephen king does in like most of his like oh, movies that's funny. And stuff. Yeah. it's really it's really cute um and it has just a, a still a lot of darkness to make it like scary cool um i loved it though and and i recommend that any, everyone reads the comic you know it has a lot to do with grief and and how we you know deal with that so definitely watch it yeah um i will check that out because that is something i was interested in i never read the comic but i've been very interested in this adaptation coming out i uh i saw gretel and hansel oh yeah it's gretel and hansel not hansel and gretel yep and uh <laughs> i really uh i i enjoyed it um i can see there there's a few people i've talked to who've seen it as well that were like less on board with it than I was. Yeah. I really dug it. I mean, I will say that the trailers do not sell the movie for what it is. I mean, they sell it more of like a straightforward... They sell it yeah. more like The Witch when it feels, you know, more like... It's... it's. I don't know. It's less scary and more moody and atmospheric. Okay. I really dug it. Um, I'm a... You know, I love... I, I'm a big fan of, of Grimm's Fairy Tales in general, just the way that, like, you know, how... Oh, yeah. Prevalent they've become, even now and even today, like, where we, we you know, we draw from from those old, you know, fairy tales. And um, Hansel and Girls is one of my favorite because it's, like, fucking kids lost in the woods find a... I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan or not a fan of uh, strange houses that shouldn't be where they are. <laughs> and uh, that really freaks me out because as a child, I used to wander through the woods a lot. And it's like, yeah. I realized that if I ever saw something like that, I would completely... Even when, like, you when you, when you read the Grimm's fairy tales as a kid and they're not as... They're a little lightened up, you know? They're a little like, it's a gingerbread house. It's like, 
the idea of actually seeing something like this in the woods would fucking give yes, scare the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, and I, I really like the movie. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but it's a lot more of a... I don't want to say coming of age, but it definitely oh, has that vibe. Weird, yeah. It, it has a, a certain vibe of that, you know? Um, and I really dug that. I really like um, Alice Creed, who plays the witch. Uh, she was in um, Ghost Story. She was in Barfly. She was in Sleepwalkers, that movie that... It was a Stephen King screenplay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she plays the mom. Oh, weird. Yeah, and she plays the witch, and, like, she looks fantastic. I mean, the makeup is awesome. Uh, the girl from It... Yeah, isn't it? And she's real. I think she's really good. Like, there's some people who are griping that she doesn't modify her accent to fit everybody else, and I kind of didn't give a shit because there was a there's a sense in the movie that like there's weird, um, dr- you know, weird dramatic licenses they take where it's like somebody talks with this accent, somebody there's like a weird uh, one character dresses like she just walked out of Hot Topic, you know? It's like oh, it's really got that weird like idiosyncratic, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I would say, let me put it this way, Gretel and Hansel is the the PG-13 version of The Company of Wolves. Okay, so that's what I, I saw the rating, not that, like, I want to go by ratings on horror movies, because not, like, you yeah. had mentioned Poltergeist. Yeah. You know, it has a PG rating, which is, like, it's still one of the scariest movies. 80s PG is um, still. Yeah, it's frightening. That fucking clown has scarred me for my life, my entire life. Yeah. I mean, but nowadays, I feel like PGs. PG-13 is so tame in some aspects. I, I know what you mean, because I feel like when I know that a horror movie is going to be PG-13, it's not that it can't be a good horror movie. Yeah. Fact, I feel like there's going to be punches pulled. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know... There's going to be editing yes. where there shouldn't have been. Something is not going to be as gruesome or as traumatic as it could be, because, yeah. you know, you still have to remember that there's going to be kids going to these movies. Um, that being said, I, I did enjoy it. Um, one thing that I really enjoyed... Those are the two movies I saw. One thing I really enjoyed, though, and I know that you and I talked about this, and I know that everybody's talking about this right now, is that uh, a movie that premiered, had its West Coast premiere at Beyond Fest. Fest, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say swept, but no, like... cleaned up. Cleaned up at the major Oscars. He cleaned yeah. up. Uh, Parasite won, which really kind of revived my faith in the Oscars, because I was like, oh... Good. I don't know about reviving the faith, more of this, like, okay, it's a start... Yes. Like okay. We're, we're finally here where we're accepting this is the first foreign language film that has ever won the uh, best picture. As and, well as international. And best director and best foreign film. Yeah. Which is well deserved. I honestly think so. If I'm not mistaken, he also, who won best screenplay? I thought that was Taika Waititi. Or is that it best was, that was, adapted? That was, that was adapted. Yeah, yeah, screenplay. no, he did. You're right. He did one best screenplay. I mean, that's fucking rad. He won the major awards and. And he's so humble uh, and like gracious about it like he fucking, god he he met he referenced in his acceptance speech for best director that he wished he had a texas chainsaw to yeah. hack the award into pieces so we could share them with you which was a also like really sweet and also i was like he just made a reference to texas chainsaw massacre at the fucking oscars mm-hmm. i feel like it was you know what it was watching him win was like i feel like somebody we would know like yeah like he feels personal yes it feels like something that like that specifically like identifies with our you know type of person you know what i mean like he's a horror movie fan like he just i just read an interview he's like the oscars didn't you know he's like that's i'm super glad but i've still got these two movies that i'm working on one's gonna be a horror movie yeah. and one, and i'm like i, I mean yeah love you, he, you know he's done like snow piercers like one uh, of the coolest yes movies i i kind of rewatch that like more frequently than most but it is it's so cool and he has this like great just 
class view on on everything that he puts into his work and it's i'm glad though because i feel like it will hopefully segue into more of his movies being shown yes here and 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 opening the doors for more foreign language films yeah or even film i mean even though paris uh, here's the weird thing is that like is you know my wife was a little confused because i told her it had premiere at west coast premiere at beyond fest she was like so it's a, it, they consider it a horror movie it's like no it's just it's that type of movie that will appeal yeah, it's like to a psychological thriller yeah. but it also has like horror elements you and know? comedy and yeah yeah it's it's um it's definitely like i said it was just like it was like watching somebody that you're like i i i could hang out with this guy and yeah we would, we would we could sit around and watch movies and have this and enjoy the same things and he won an oscar and that really uh was great and then the other thing that I, I i really don't care for the oscars and i won't i really won't care moving forward even though parasite did win but i will say this lin-manuel Murata uh, came out and give a did a whole segment about musical piece or songs and movies oh yeah and he name checked turtle power from the original ninja turtles movie and i was like wait what and I was really like, yeah and i was like <laughs> i mean you know don't you forget about me from breakfast club but then he also said you know turtle power from the Ninja Trolls movie, and I was like, God, we are finally hitting an era where people, like, the, the ones who grew, like, the people that grew up at the same time period we do are now, are kind of influencing pop culture, and it's really, yeah, I'm digging it. Um, I'm, I'm digging that a lot. But that was the only other highlight from the Oscars, aside from, now actually, Brie Larson and Gal Gadot and Sigourney Weaver came out to do, oh, uh, really? to do the best scores. Oh, uh, and she, yeah, yeah. Um, she did Joker, and she did Chernobyl. Yeah. Um, which, uh, there's a thing, I think she, she had worked with Johan Johansson too. Yeah. Uh, so it's really cool because her sound is so distinct, you know, just like, uh, his was too. Like, especially in Chernobyl, I can hear like the influence and it's so cool that she also won for Joker. And then I realized one more highlight. That what? I, uh, so I realized these Oscars were actually pretty cool. Uh, Laura Dern finally won, which I'm like. Oh yeah, I, I like was, her. I love her, and I was like, it's about fucking time that I, she won something. I read an article, I wish I could say, I think it was the New York Times, and it was so fucking funny, but I feel, also feel bad because I do like Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's, like, one of the only people that is, like, desperately trying to be a better person and use, like, his influence yeah. to do that, like, because he realizes he has a voice, and this New York Times article just shat all over him. He was, like, they were, like, some, he's, like, crazy, like, yelling about milk and everything on his, like, yeah, speech. Yeah, but they're overlooking the fact that he also pointed out that, like, he's, like, he, one of the first things he said in his acceptance speech was, like, I've not been a perfect person. I've done, I've been a Oh, jerk. yeah, no, and, we've, I think that's clear, and, and that's why I, the precursor to that was like yeah. I think he's trying to be yeah a exactly person. and I, I think he but he he was trying to say that you know, the best when humanity's at its best is when we you know give people give ourselves second chances give yeah and I was like it was a really great speech until he kind of dives into like I get it though like that's yeah. his whole purpose like Fuck even, yeah um I think we oh did I talk about that when Joker premiered he was at the Alamo Draft House talking about the movie and then like also veganism because he's basically a spokesperson for it he's done voiceover work for that um that uh documentary about you know the meat industry and stuff like that so he's always been really active and in veganism um and then also he gave that speech at the baftas right yeah. um about how like it's their responsibility to change the way that this has been going for forever and i i, I admire that i He's really the do non-racist morrissey uh i i okay <laughs> Have you ever heard Morrissey talk about? I, I have, but like even comparing him to Morrissey is annoying because Morrissey can suck it. I know, but anyway, um, 
I do. I, I really like Joaquin Phoenix. So I was happy for him too. I'm not, even though I wasn't a huge yeah. Joker. Yeah, I, you did. Oh. I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was God's gift to anything. No, but it's it's stylized and it's entertaining and it's sad and it's and he is he's great, great in it. He's, he's amazing. Yeah, he's great. In I, it. I can't really think of anybody else in that uh, who got nominated that deserved it more than Joaquin Phoenix. Um, so good for him. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. So that was the Oscars, and it was a. Uh, Interesting, um, but some guy who one guy who never got an Oscar, and we're gonna kind of talk about him, is uh, the late great Larry Cohen. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we're continuing a little bit of New York, so I think yeah. um, we had romanticized um, Maniac so much that we wanted to stay in New York and do New York horror movies, which they do have a certain vibe to them that yes. are great, especially when you stay within the seventies and early eighties, you know. So we wanted to do another New York movie, and this is this is so weird. Uh, quick backstory: Larry Cohen. Um, for those of you who don't know, and I, I'm going to be yeah. very brief because there is a fantastic documentary on Shutter called King Cohen that covers his entire life. It was made shortly before he died, so there's tons of interviews with him. Yeah. Um, tons of interviews with people who worked with him. Tons of people interviews with people who were influenced by him, like J.J. Abrams. You know. Oh yeah, you could see watching his movies. You could see like. Oh yeah. The he, fun influence that he's yes, had. Yes, absolutely. And um, he got to start in New York. He was born and raised in New York. Got to start in television in the 50s and uh, in the 60s. And then he uh, made his first film in the early 70s called Bone, which was this really cool movie about this black man who, um, oh, yeah. who uh, yeah, holds these like this rich, bored couple uh, in Beverly Hills hostage, ends up sleeping with the wife. The husband ends up like philandering around either. And it's just this weird social like black comedy. Yeah, he kind of got his start in like black exploitation films. He did that in... Exploitation, yeah, exploitation in general. He because uh, he does uh, my favorite of his movies, which is uh, It's Alive. Yeah, which is a, a weird movie when you watch it. Because did we do that? We have not done that. Oh, I think I picked it for one of my Halloween picks. Yeah, that's a good one. It's um, you know, you, you once you get over the kind of ridiculousness. Or did about, you? I think I, I did. Yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah. Well, we love it. Yeah, it's great. It's it's fantastic. But it's it's a uh, the best way to describe It's Alive is that it is the first and maybe only aside from the sequels, a uh, killer baby movie. And it's fucking rad. <laughs> um, and then he goes on to do, um, I mean, we'll, I'll kind of skip the movie that we did so we can dive into more. He got, uh, he did um, Q, with, uh, which was- I've the, never seen that. Q is fantastic. It is, but it's, the reason why Q, I mean, Q's great because it's, it's batshit crazy, but really what makes Q awesome, and this is a testament to Larry Cohen because he, he was able to pull this out of him, was- um, it's the first time he collaborated with actor Michael Moriarty, who gives this insane performance in Q that, like, that is, like, it's almost, it's so good that it almost mm -hmm. needs to stand outside of the movie and be its own thing. Like, oh, there's this giant, you know, like, winged, you know, dragon <laughs> thing terrorizing New York City. Also, Michael Moriarty is a criminal who's having a breakdown. And then um, they'll go on and collaborate together again on The Stuff, which is another one of my favorites. That's his commentary on consumerism that Michael Moriarty's in that as well it's where uh, it's about killer yogurt slash ice cream uh-huh oh I'm yeah. not joking that's it's awesome um and then he does a return to Salem's lot which is a weird sequel with to the Stephen King or the Toby Hooper miniseries of Stephen King's book 
Um, has nothing to do with the, the miniseries or the book at all. <laughs> but Michael Moriarty's in it, and he's fucking crazy and awesome. And then uh, they do, you know, they work together on It's Alive 3, and I think they would work together again later on in when the Masters of Horror show came out for a episode called Pick Me Up. Oh. Um, but Larry Cohen's, what's great about him, and we'll, we'll dive into this more, is that all of his movies, not all of his movies, but a lot of his movies have some weird commentary Bone is about social and racial differences mm-hmm. and class, and um, It's Alive is about the pharmaceutical companies and experimental drug te- uh, testing. Um, the stuff is about consumerism. You know, it, he's got, he's always trying to tell something. And uh, another great thing about Larry Cohen that, um, you know, he he wasn't just a, a writer director, he also wrote screenplays for other people to direct, like yeah. William Lustig, who did Maniac, they, they worked together on uh, Maniac Cop. Mm-hmm. Which we should do. We should absolutely do. Um, and then um, he wrote. I remember the scene is in theater. He wrote the Joel Schumacher film Phone Booth. Oh, he did. Yeah, the one where like. Oh yeah, Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah that's right. And that was cool about Larry Cohen. Is he always had this like he, his ideas were always so like man that is so crazy. I don't know how it's gonna work. And Phone Booth is basically like, can you make a movie where a guy is just sitting in a phone booth yeah. on the phone? Interesting. And he and he does. Uh, it was, it was really good. So that was Larry Cohen's... Um, I mean, and I, I glossed over so much stuff because, again, the guy has a filmography that's so big that we would be doing, like, a five-part episode if we just wanted yeah. to talk about Larry Cohen. But what the movie we watched, which... Um, well, let's just dive right in. It's uh, God Told Me To. God Told Me To. Yes, what is the movie God Told Me To about? I don't even know how to describe it. No. <laughs> uh, there's a series of mass murders. And so uh, the first one, you know, starts out of like a sniper shooting um, 14 or so people, a number of people. And you have this detective on the case. And every time he goes to one of these mass events, it's the same thing. God told me to. God told me to. God told me to. So um, he's... he. Uh, he's also religious. Yeah, you might want to take it because there's... I can't get out the the side yeah, vagina. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it starts to turn into a very weird... Like, at first you think it's like more of like this cop drama thriller. And then it just like... You're like, oh no, there's like some weird elements of where this woman was abducted. And she gave birth to a virgin. Or she was a virgin. He's the virgin birth. And like, it's like weird messiah type of <laughs> well i mean it's i think one of the things larry cohen was playing off of um was in the 70s there was this um this famous book that came out called chariots of the gods yeah which ancient uh, astronauts it's not graham hancock i i mix them up but i know exactly what you're talking yeah, about yeah and, and the whole theory was that like jesus was an alien yes all the all the, all weird, the prophets yeah yeah all the weird like stuff that we've here in the bible about you know, the burning bush, or this, or that. It's all because of, like, all coincide with, like... Ancient aliens. Ancient aliens or extraterrestrial events. And then, um... So there's a bit of that. And now, again, this is, I feel like we're gonna tread into the entity to- uh, territory, but, like, I... I felt like this movie's also about... Like, there's so there's two different women who get abducted by aliens? Yeah. I, I mean, it it looks like an alien structure, yes. um, at least in her reenactment dream, which is, like, really cool and stylized. Yeah. Um, we got two wait, we got two different women who get abducted and impregnated by something. And what, what I always find really, what I found interesting when, when they're both kind of retelling their stories or when they're doing the flashbacks is that, like, 
you know, these women describe this horrific thing that happened to them, and you've got guys being like, eh, it didn't happen. Yeah, you know? we don't believe you. And they just kind of laugh it off, and it gets shrugged off often, and um, so there was an element of that, I think. Yeah. Which, I don't know if it was intentional, or it was just like, but it's like, there's this great scene where Sylvia Sidney is just like, uh, Sylvia Sidney, by the way, plays a character in this movie. Uh, you might recognize her from such movies as Beetlejuice. She's mm-hmm. Juno the Caseworker. Yeah. Or Mars Attacks, where she plays Grandma, or Damien Omen 2, but... Um, she's describing how, like, she this horrific thing happened to her. She was trying to tell all these cops, and they were like, eh, whatever, it didn't ever happen. And they made her believe that she was just crazy, and she just made it all up. And that really hit me. It was just like, oh, what a fucked up, like... Yeah, how much uh, society still makes women feel like they're crazy. Like, yes. it's not happening to them. When they're describing something terrible happening to them. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned to Sydney, this, this movie has got such a weird and awesome cast. Yeah, Sandy Dennis, which, yeah, we, we talked about. Parents she, and Nine Evil. She is great, and she's so creepy and everything. Yeah, she really is. She's so, and the thing is, I don't think she's, like, creepy and scary. She's just so intense yeah. about everything she does. Like, she'll go, there's a part where she goes up to the fireplace to grab uh, some cigarettes from a holder, and she's like, it's so intense when she does it. It's <laughs> like, that woman could not just fucking do anything normal. It was, like, so. Yeah. Oh. Her pacing is really great. Yeah. And she's got those, like, eyes that are, like kind of buggy and like <laughs> and um intense um, um yeah it's it's such a strange storyline but it's still like sort of fun and you know what it reminds me I, I feel like garth ennis must have like pulled a little bit you know from you know, and you know he's even said that he's pulled from movies and oh, yeah. stuff like that but there is a distinct like very much like the the word of god uh type Preacher. of thing it focuses on his eyes and like he's forcing them to do stuff and it's like it's it's really interesting um that being said, even aside from the weirdness um, of them trying to, like, repopulate the Earth with a different... Alien. Re- alien race, um, it's super It's super fun. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's a weird exploitation film because it's, like, it doesn't... It, it There's moments where it feels very much an exploitation movie, and then there's yeah. moments where it feels kind of like, this movie's just ahead of its time. In fact, there's the whole... there's uh, So Tony Law... I'm going to mispronounce his name, so let me get it right. Um, so Tony, uh, Lobianco plays the, um, the detective who's, you know, he's deeply religious. He's got this Catholic guilt. Um, he won't divorce his Don't wife. Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> but he won't divorce his wife. And his wife is like, haha, your, your girlfriend thinks you won't divorce, uh, that I'm the reason why you're getting away. But it's really because, you know, divorcing, you know, is not accepted. In yeah. Ca- you know, in the Catholic church as at least not that time or it wasn't in that time period. And, um. But, you know, he has, he meets this, um, spoiler alert, he meets this, you know, he finds out who the source of all these, this rash of, of, of crimes, uh, and it's this weird, almost angelic, hermaphroditic yeah. alien being played by Richard Lynch. Yeah, who is great. And, and he, they, he finds out that they are, they are of the same ilk. And yeah. and like and and Richard Lynch is like, let's make a baby together, and shows him his side yeah. vagina, and that to me was very Cronenberg, and it was b- b- before yeah. Cronenberg, you know, like um, the whole. It reminded me of a combination of Videodrome and the end of Scanners. Yeah, I can feel that. Yeah, especially like in the dream sequence of like the pulsating vagina, yeah. stomach thing. <laughs> and it's weird because like I, you know, this movie has. Um, I, you know, I was watching when we were watching it again. So there's this great scene. There's a uh, <laughs> a police parade 
in New York City that the Irish have been waiting all year for. <laughs> uh, and by the way, the guy who They said really he, have. I mean, what do we get? A fucking parade? I say we because I'm like 1% Irish. <laughs> the guy who says that line was the uh, the really sleazy uh, camp or the camp director from Sleep uh, for Summer. Uh, oh, Sleep camp. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of like reoccurring people, you know? And in, in the in police this? parade, uh, one of the police officers goes Is? on a fucking rampage and it's Andy Kaufman. Yeah, Andy Kaufman's actually in this movie. But there's something weird about that 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 parade and that scene that reminded me so much of The Dark Knight. Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan. Oh, yeah. It's when, it's so reminiscent. Yeah, and it's like... Especially it, when it just stops and the parade's still going and you focus on that cop and he, yes. and he goes to shoot towards the podium. It's And then it's like pandemonium. It's great. And and it's like, it's it's when you watch some of Larry Cohen's movies, it's kind of hard to be like, no, somebody else saw... You know, like, other directors have seen yeah. this move, these movies and, because they've been pulling from it, you know? Yeah. Um, the tribute, the homages to Larry Cohen are just peppered throughout all these other directors' movies. I mean, J.J. Abrams talks about in the, that documentary about how much of a big fan he of Larry Cohen he is. Um, and pre- right before he's about, he's doing the like right after he's doing the interview, he says he's like, "I'm actually going to meet him for lunch, and I'm bringing this oh, yeah. replica prop that I found of." Uh, Didn't Larry Cohen die this year? Last year. Yeah, March, 2019. 2019. Well, right? I've heard, well yeah, it's Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was, like, 74. Yeah, he was, like, in his old age. Yeah, but the guy had never really, like, stopped doing shit, you know? Yeah. And it's, like... And, you know, he's kind of, like, a, a raconteur. He's, like, a huckster, you know? Like, he... You know, like, there's there's a great part in one of the, in the documentary where he's talking about how much credit he deserves on a certain thing, a, a certain movie that he made with Fred Williamson, and Fred Williamson's like, fuck no, I'm the oh, one yeah. who, who hired him, you know? Like... And it's great. It's 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 awesome because there's just like he's such a, a storyteller, even even not outside of film, just when he's talking about his life, you know, and it's mm-hmm. really great. But God told me it was one of those weird movies where it's just like I don't know where to pin it down. Yeah, it's it's it is sort of strange and weird for seemingly not no reason, but it's still like totally enjoyable. Yeah, it's got it's really surreal. Um, again, great cast, even of like these bit people that you see in other movies like I mean for fuck's sakes the grandfather from son-in-law shows up as a yeah. doctor um I can't unsee it though I know I can't well I, I was like who the fuck is that guy and then I suddenly I just remembered him whittling wood uh-huh uh, with Polly Shore in uh in son-in-law and I was like ah oh, there we go I remember exactly who he is but um yeah it, it's this one's just it's weird because like like I said there's a sense of fun in Q there's a sense of I mean there's a sense of fun in the stuff but in the 70s, he's still kind of like, he's still kind of being very straightforward with his movies. Even if their premises are ridiculous, like a killer baby. Yeah. Like, it's Alive has heavy moments in it because, you know, you see it off in the perspective of this father whose wife has just given birth to this monster baby that's just killed everybody. And and he's like grappling with like, is this my child? Or is this a monster? <laughs> or what do I do? You know? And it's like, oh, that's pretty heavy for a crazy monster movie about a killer baby. Just like God told me to, it gets really weirdly like. I think he's he's commenting on, um, you know, he's doing the whole ancient astronaut thing, but he's also do, talking about religion and uh, how yeah. people. Like, there's this great scene where the, he's trying to convince somebody to 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 uh, release to publish this story so he can like you know track down this hokey killer thing, and, and the, the 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 guy who eventually decides to print his thing, he's like, oh, I'd love it if God showed up because if God showed up. There would be no yeah. more churches. And he just goes in this whole awesome fucking, like, tear and commentary on the Catholic religion. I'm like, man, I forget forgetting this is, like, a fucking, like, 
weird exploitation. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, it, it's great. I, I honestly, I'm glad that we covered it too, and especially for a New York film. I mean, even the opening scene with the sniper is like really scary, and it's like pacing through the streets yeah. that are like filled with people. It's it's super fun, and I'm I'm glad that we covered it. Yeah, I I, I advise you guys to check it out. I, and that Larry Cohen documentary. Yes. And, and don't worry, guys. I mean, I know we, we kind of got into, like, some spoiler-heavy material, but this movie's so fucking weird that... You might need we to know... We didn't spoil anything. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm still, like... I, you I, need to see it with your own eyes yes. to really grasp it, it, ha- how it is. <laughs> there's, there's two movies there, and they are wedded so bizarrely to each other that it's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, God told me to. King Cohen, check that out on Shudder as well. Um... Honestly, after you watch King Cohen, you're going to want to go on a fucking Larry Cohen binge, which is great because there's a lot of Larry Cohen available out there. You, It's not hard to find, and uh, god damn, it's, it's just really good. Yeah, it's great. So? So, I don't know if we'll stay in New York or if we'll travel around, but yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll see you guys. Uh, don't forget to follow us, video underscore vampires on Instagram. Shoot us over some comments, direct messages, or just general... Yeah, or anything that you think we should watch. Yeah, especially if it's in New York in the 80s. All right. All right, bye. Bye. On December 25th, 1953, a child is born, a virgin birth. Tomorrow, all civilization will tremble under his almighty power. He must be obeyed. Who were Moses and Jesus, really? Accept me, no questions. Sacrifices to your God are nothing new. Are you going to tell me all those people are meant to die? Why did you attack all those people?